What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of After Effect Podcast. I'm your host, LeBron Stephan, and we have a very special guest um, who we'll be interviewing today. We got former Hawkeye basketball player Devin Archie. Uh, just sent him the invite for him to jump in. So right now, just waiting, and oh, here he is right here. Hey, what's up, bro? Can you hear me? Yeah, bro, I can hear you. What's going on, man? Man, how you doing, bro? Good seeing you. You too. I've been all right. How you been? Man, I can't complain. I can't complain. I appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast for me. I know you're a busy man. Oh, no, you good, man. You know, all accept each other out. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. So uh, I started this podcast. It's called the After Effect Podcast, essentially to give people like us, former athletes, a voice to talk about, you know, our athletic journey, our upbringing, um, our transition from high school to college. Transition from yep. college to the pros, and obviously, more importantly, the transition out of your respective sport. You know, you got to figure out what you're passionate about, and uh, you know how you want to give back, and things like that. So that's the ethos of the podcast. Okay, okay, yeah, man. So if you if if you're cool with it, we could just jump right into it. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, man. So I, you know, I did some research and I saw you grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. So if you could, man, just tell us what the culture was like in Indianapolis, just as far as sports, basketball is concerned. Yeah, Indiana, man. So me from Indiana, Indianapolis, it's a, it's a basketball state. Okay. You know, going for basketball. So, I mean, it was one point we had, what, 21 kids just from Indianapolis alone in the NBA. Wow, wow. So, I mean, it's here. It's huge. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, next question. So I saw that – did you only play two years of high school basketball? Yep. So I didn't start playing organized balls. I was a junior in high school. Um, okay. Six foot my sophomore year. I came back the next summer. I was six six. Wow. So you had that crazy growth spurt. I figured you had some type of growth spurt or something. Oh, man, it was crazy. So I was like, you know what? I might as well try out again. Okay. I made the team. So. And like, how was your, how was your like development from going from six feet to six six? Did you like, was your knees hurting? Was, was, was your back messed up, or was it kind of like an easy transition? Going, like, nah, it was actually uh, it was real. It was actually painful, man. Because when you grow that fast, I I knew my knees were aching bad, but because I grew so fast, I had shin splints. Okay, that was something I always had to deal with. Was my legs hurting or aching of some okay. sort? Quick growth. Okay, okay, I got you. And so then, once you got that tall, but you ultimately ended up being six nine. So when did you grow? The, the other three inches, like during high school or something like that? Nah, so I left high school at 6'7", okay. uh, in JUCO for two years. I grew two inches while I was in junior college. So oh, I was 6'9". So, oh, you grew two inches after 18? Yep. yep. Wow, 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 wow. That's, that's, that's crazy. 6'7", <laughs> and 6'9". So just talk about, um, you know, your, your high school career, different things you accomplished there, and then the transition from high school to JUCO, because I know most guys – go straight into like a four-year program. Yeah. So just talk about that transition from high school to JUCO, some similarities, some differences. Uh, man, so for me, what it was was learning the game of basketball. I had always been around it. I played outside, but when you play organized ball, when it's structured like that, you got to mm -hmm. figure out where you fit in and what things you need to work on. Right. So in high school, I was trying to fill myself out because as a junior, I was on JV, but playing against varsity every day, and some, we had some real talented guys. I kept, I continued to develop and Just develop. Yeah, yeah. 
And then uh, my senior year, I ended up on varsity, uh, played varsity, continued to grow and develop, started to figure out my role. Um, my body developed, so my body developed, like, I developed late as far as like, so I didn't start dunking until the end of my junior year. And then once okay. I started dunking, my confidence went through the roof, my game changed, and that uh, kind of, I could add that piece to the, so. Yeah, yeah, that was my next question. So was that, was that like a Debbie Downer or like a confidence, did your confidence go down being as you were on JV as a junior, but like so tall and guys like wondering like, why does do that on varsity or something like that? Not really, man. Cause a lot of guys here, like my class, we had a lot of height, a lot of guys was six, nine, six, ten. Even we had, we had Greg Oden. He was a seven footer. So it was a lot of sides in my conference. Yeah. And so I understood that I needed some things to work on. So me, I took it in as a student of the game. I just sat back and watched varsity. Okay. Like okay, and this is what I need to do. This is how I got to get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then that that transition from your junior to your senior year. Your senior year, you, like you said, your confidence kind of went through the roof. You finally started to realize um, your role within the game, how to play, post moves, stuff like that. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I say my senior year is when I kind of when I really start to develop a little more. Um, I had a real good coach in high school my senior year who really okay. built that confidence. So that helped me out a lot. Um, so throughout that season, I continued to grow and I didn't have any scholarship ballers. So I was like, man, I'm six, seven, mm. no ballers. Mm. So I ended up playing AAU ball that year. Okay. Oh. And like the spring, the spring af after your senior basketball season, you play AAU. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. after this season, yeah I ended up playing with Spies, um, for one tournament. My guy, Brian Davis was a coach down at Vincennes. He saw me, gave me an offer around the spot. So I ended up going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's my next question. I'll talk about, um, you know, what was the differences from high school and then, you know, going that junior college route. Uh, because I know I hear a lot of some guys that I know that play junior college in football, you know, they always say it's like a less glamorous life and like the campus isn't as put together as like a four year university and things like that. So what, what, were, what was those transitions like going from high school to junior college and being in that program for two years? So Vincennes is more of an upscale community college, man. It's a, it's okay. a nice campus. Um, they they were real professional how they did things. So um, it wasn't bad. That JUCO life isn't for everybody, though, man. If you're not level-headed and you ain't disciplined, okay, you really not gonna thrive in JUCO because you really got to be critical of yourself and put that time yeah. in your own. If you yeah, wanna. you got to be focused on improvement like every day. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So talk about going into your second year junior college, because I'm not specifically sure about um, the process in which like when you start hearing from four year, um, four year universities, like, you know, big five universities. So talk about that second year you, when you started to get interest or maybe hear from schools, things like that. So actually my freshman year, I started hearing, um, I had okay. a coach at Sullivan. He played at Louisville. He was my coach my first year, and he just stayed on me, got me in the gym, and we had a team. Everybody on my team that year who was a sophomore ended up playing high major basketball. Wow. Developing, that was huge. Cause yeah. Like, okay, I can play. I'm, I'm competing with these guys every day. Mm -hmm. So that kind of gave me more confidence going right. to my year. So. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so uh, what options did you have before choosing the University of Iowa? Did you have any other Big Ten offers? Did you not want to? I'm you an Indiana guy. Did Indiana not offer you? I know they was they was like they had a big uh, basketball program. Um, so like, what options did you have before you chose? So Iowa? man, I had 
Yes, yeah, so I, I had quite a few coaches in. I had Oklahoma State. Uh, Purdue was interested for a while. Um, okay. Georgia Tech. Um, I went on a visit to Kentucky. Oh wow! Okay. So I mean, it was it was quite a few. Yeah. Um, that that freshman year, the sophomore year, more and more interest came. Uh, Wichita State, uh, Clemson. So I, I, had, I had quite a few people starting to jump on board. Okay. To see my potential. Okay. So what? Ultimately, what was the deciding factor uh, with you choosing the University of Iowa? Well, it was two things, man. My grandmother was, um, she was living here in Indy still at the time. She didn't leave the house much. So I was like, well, I want her to see me play college ball. She had never seen me play. Right. So she, the factors, and then Coach Licklider, he's an Indiana guy. And so I knew that he would have my best interest. Mm-hmm. If I- okay. Right, right, right. That so sense. that combination of having the Big Ten network, playing with Coach Licklider and then growing up in the Midwest, which is Big Ten. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Everything was just like, this is it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. I was kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm from Ohio. So, yeah, like you yeah. say, just growing up a Midwest kid. And like you say, Big Ten country, you always, that's a dream to play in the Big Ten. So, and I'm, and I'm sure the University of Iowa, it was eight hours from Cleveland. So it was probably like, what, like five or six from, from where you are. So yep, a little closer. Yep. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So did you, was that, when you played against Ohio State, for you, was that a, was that a dream come true? Man, definitely. <laughs> like playing we, the horseshoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we played Ohio State in two thousand nine in the horseshoe. Man, I had about forty family members there because I'm literally from not from like ninety minutes away. Cleveland's like ninety yep. minutes from Columbus. So I had like forty family members there. Man, that was like a huge thing. And you know, we end up it was it was basically the Big Ten championship. We ended up losing by a field goal in overtime, but then we played them again in Iowa City in two thousand ten. Yeah, um, and it was the same score. We lost again, but in overtime, we always played Ohio State, uh, the toughest out of the Big Ten. So yeah, bro, that was definitely like a dream come true. And I, and that was that would be my next question. You transitioning to Big Ten basketball, obviously we know that that's way different than JC basketball. And then absolutely, and then you playing um, all these big Big Ten uh, teams. You know, your Michigan State, your Ohio State, but more importantly, you being an Indiana guy, the University of Indiana. So just talk about going from playing, wherever you're playing at JC, to 8 o'clock ESPN, Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State, ABC games. I mean, just talk about the difference, like that transition, because I know it wasn't easy. <laughs> I wasn't, man. So my first year, I broke my collarbone, so I didn't get to play. So I actually got to travel with the team and watch and take it all in. Okay. Went from playing in front of maybe, what, a couple hundred people, maybe a 1,000 on some nights to 15,000, 16,000. All right, all right you do is criticize right from every detail how you move uh how you attack how you pass so it was a lot right. you know, I, I wasn't ready for it at first um okay. i'm getting used to okay but once i got settled which i would say what my junior year i started to fill it out my senior year i was a lot more settled and i understood what i need to do so okay and to talk about your recovery your recovery process uh for the collarbone injury did you just not, were you, did you just have to, like, sit around for, what, like a month or two until you got cleared to start, like, uh, training again? Or, like, what was the process for that? No, it was actually a five-month process. Oh, okay. Oh, it was five months. Okay. Yeah, so I had to sit out basically the first couple months. I mean, I just sat there in a the sling, really, and just had to let it heal. Mm-hmm. And then I slowly started doing physical therapy on it, trying to get that scar tissue out of there, get my mobility back in that arm. Okay. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So talk about, um, I saw, you know, you go from, got the injury and your journey is crazy because, you know, you on 
junior varsity or junior year, then you end up becoming a player senior year, then you go to junior college, you kill there, you get all this college interest, then you finally get to Iowa, then you have a hardship, you got an injury, you break your collarbone, then you finally get back yeah. on the you finally get back on the court and you start to have success. I think I think I said you started like uh, 13 to 15 games, something like that, your senior year. So just talk about and I saw you had some success. So just talk about that journey, like getting all the way to your senior year and finally starting and finally you know, having some success, like what, 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 what did that feel like? Man, you know, it was a relief because, so my first year there, a lot of people don't know this, man. I had, um, so my first year there, I had three deaths in the family. I broke my collarbone. I caught flu and pneumonia. So I lost like 15 pounds uh, and, um, look like I got fired. So man, mentally I was just like, man. Oh, that was a place. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, my junior year was kind of my fill out year. First time playing. And then that summer, I was like, you know what, man, I stayed, let me grind. So I worked my butt off that summer mm -hmm. where I could get in that spot to where I started. Right. Only thing, I just could never stay healthy enough. Right. Okay. Just, just like just like little nicks and bruises, just like with your knees and the ankles or what? Yeah, my knees. So I ended up having two knee surgeries while I was there as well. Okay. Um, and it just continued to bother me. My knee mm -hmm. just didn't nag and bother me on top of the shin splint. So after, when you're dealing with injuries like that constantly and it's constantly nagging, you can't play the way you want to. Exactly, right. Lose a little confidence. All right. And you feel like, man, all right, well, I got to accept what it is. Right, 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 yeah. I, that's what I tell people all the time. I mean, I remember before my senior year, um, I, you know, I, I didn't start any games to my senior year. I was um, Adrian Claiborne's backup, who, you know, All-American first-round pick. So yep. I, basically, I, basically, I basically worked my butt off for four years in the weight room to try to get my body together and get my strength together to be this senior uh, starter in the Big Ten and have a great senior year. And then four months before the, the game opener, uh, probably like May, we were doing like our last spring um, power lifts, like basically maxing out. Yeah. So I got like, I think I had like 395 on the bar benching. <laughs> I can't believe I used to be the strong, man. And so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm maxing, I'm maxing out, I'm maxing out. I'm actually killing it. I'm literally on rep like seven. Like they stop you at 10. If you get to 10, they stop yeah. you. I'm literally on rep seven. Get the bar halfway off my chest, man. And I feel like a damn rip, like in my pec. Right. Like I could feel the tendon ripping off the bone. So, so, the, so the, damn, the, the bar dropping my stomach, eight people got to run over there because so much weight to get it off me just so I can slide up under it. Yeah. Got the MRI, found out I had a torn pectoral muscle and a torn labrum. So I ended up having to get mm -hmm. surgery four months before my senior year. So I missed the whole summer workouts and training because I was, I was rehabbing. Uh, yeah. And then I make it back for the first game to start. But obviously, I'm not the same because I, I missed training camp. I'm not, my yeah. conditioning is different. I'm not strong. So it take me literally like six games, half the season to get my, get my stuff back, get my skills back, back get my strength back, get my, yeah. And so, like you said, man, it's, it's a relief to finally start as a senior, but like those injuries, bro, like you, <laughs> like you can't even, you know what you're capable of, but you can't show it. You can't show it to the exactly. world. You can't show it to the fans because it's your body. You inside your body, you, you're limited to only a certain amount of things you can do. <laughs> it is, man, it is. And I, and I tell people that all the time, man. And I tell like, even my students now that I coach, my players, uh, cause I coach 17 year olds going to say senior year, take care of your body, stretch. Yeah. Listen to your body, man. If, if it's aching or something's wrong, take care of it because what's gonna happen, it's gonna linger and linger and then it's eventually gonna, you know, go right. out and something's exactly. gonna mess up. So. Exactly.
Man, that's that's yeah, that's so true. So talk about after your senior year. Um, I'm not sure where you were at, like as far as injuries, but did you get did you have any pro opportunities? Did you want to play pro, maybe overseas or just anything like that? Talk about um that. Yeah, so after my senior year, um, I had another knee surgery. So that was my last knee surgery. So I ended up drilling into my micro fracture, okay. which was a little longer. So I moved back to Iowa City to do some rehab. And then I moved back home to do some therapy. And I had looks. Um, people was reaching out to me about playing abroad and possibly trying to play in the States. Okay. But just I just knew I wasn't ready. So I took that year off, mm-hmm. reached to an agent I knew. He got me over in Switzerland. He was like, man, oh. let's play. Okay. Um, let's get your confidence going, get your touch and stuff back. If you perform well, then we can try to get you back over here and work something out. I'm like, okay. all right. I get over there. I was playing for about a month. My knees started acting up again. Mm, so you already you in Switzerland. You playing, yeah. body feeling solid after you took that year off. Then the knees started acting up again. Wow. Yeah, because that was honestly, for me, that was the best basketball I think I played. Yeah, because I mean, I, I was so confident over there because as an American, they want you to be the guy. So I had the ultimate green light. Mm-hmm. And mentally, when you have the green light, you do what you want. You yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you ascend essentially. Yep, you're not thinking about mistakes, you're not thinking about nothing. So I'm over there playing, averaging a double double, and then my, my leg go out. So it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Point, I'm like, you know, I'm tired of surgeries, I'm tired of going. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you rehab there in Switzerland, or you just said, let me just go take it back to the crib and rehab here and kind of just figure it out? Figure out no, if I still I, even want to play. No, I came back home, man. I came back home. I had a good doctor here, so I came back home with them. And they said it would be a process. They said it would, it would nag me throughout my career if I wanted to keep playing. Mm-hmm. But you know what, man? That, just the feeling of doing it over and over again, I was just over it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, especially with the injuries and knees and ankles. Like you say, you keep it's, – it's the same thing over and over. You got to keep fighting, but you get to a point where it's like, man, is this really worth it? You know? Um, yeah, so I, I definitely feel you, man. So talk about – see, I, I still remember my day, man, because I, I played two years of arena football professionally, and I, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I tried out for several NFL teams, but just never, for whatever reason, never got my foot in that door, never put on that helmet. So talk about – like the day you decided, like, okay, I'm I'm done with basketball. Like, I'm I'm done, uh, and I'm about to transition into you know whatever I, whatever I want to do next, whether that's coaching, training players. Talk about when you psychologically put it in your head, like, okay, I'm, I, it's over. Well, so when I came back, man, I kind of took some time off because I, I was kind of depressed. I'm like, man, you know, I don't work my butt off, right. and it didn't work out. So I came and took some time off, started doing open gyms again here in Indy. Trying to get a feel for it, see how my body felt, mm-hmm. and it feeling right. My knee kept swelling, mm-hmm. working out. So I had to sit down and think. And I remember talking to my grandma about it, and I'm just like, you know, I want to keep playing this, I want to pursue it, but it's probably time me to take a different route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Work with other kids and help them figure out. And I can use my experience to help others out. And so right. that's how I end up in this field I'm in now. Right. And was that an easy pill for you to swallow, or did it, or was it kind of hard since you had been this is what you had kind of loved and kind of had wanted to do for so long. It's tough, man. Cause you got to think I'm six, nine. So like everywhere I go, people ask me who you play for, who you play for. <laughs> All the time, you, know, yeah. you can't get away from it. Exactly, exactly. So that eats you up. She's like, man, I would, I wish I was playing. Then I see my teammates abroad playing, making money, six figures. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh-huh. you gotta, you gotta take all that in. Mm-hmm. 
you keep thinking maybe I should try, maybe I should try, but then it's like your body's like, nah, it's not gonna work out. Yeah, man, and I can attest to that because uh, you know I get those kind of same kind of vibes, especially you know at the University of Iowa, I got so many teammates that made yeah. it to the league. You know, first, second, yeah. third round picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro Bowl <laughs> player, Pro Bowl players. I still got homies now that's still in the league. Super Bowl champions. I mean, it's just the list goes on and on. So that when you gotta accept, like, okay, like I'm, I think I'm done. Like I know I'm 25, 26, 27. My body ain't what it used to be when I was 22. Um, it could be a hard thing to take in, you know, or it takes some time for you to for you to accept it, you know, figure out what you want to do next. Uh, like I said, that's the hardest part, man, accepting it, man, because you see your guys and you get around them and you see their careers and you're just like, man, that should have been me. That should have exactly, been me. Exactly. And I think that's what eats you up the most. But mm-hmm. I come to terms with it, like, man, things happen the way they do for a reason. Always. I think that's what kind of gives you that peace a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that definitely gives you the peace. For me, it just, it, I, it, it took a little while. Like, I mean, I knew I, what I wanted to do. I knew once when I was done playing, um, I had to lose weight, so I was, I used to play at like 260, 265 just to play in the big yeah. gym. And it's like, okay, now I'm a, I'm, I'm just, I'm a guy. Like, so I don't need to be this big. So I knew I had to lose weight and you know, and it was just a process. Um, but yeah, man, that's definitely, I feel like the way in which you heal and just move, you know, move on to the next, it's like basically the next chapter of your life, you know, basically reinvent yourself and you move on to the next chapter. It is, man. It, like I said, it's, it's a transition. It's tough. You mean go from that sports world to living that life to like you said being a normal person and having to figure things out and stuff exactly and and you know you you a lot of times i find myself in the last couple of years just and it comes and it comes randomly just that itch like 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 you missed the game like yep. and it comes randomly like yeah yeah i miss board and i go back watching the highlights or you know and they always got <laughs> they always got our old games playing on like the big 10 network so i'm always watching games like oh i remember that 2009 2008 so <laughs> Yeah, no, that's definitely how it is, man. Because I, uh, for a minute, when I was like, when I was going through that phase where I had to stop, I didn't even want to watch basketball. I couldn't watch Big Ten. Yeah. I couldn't watch the NBA or nothing because I was so sick about it. But mm-hmm. I got to the point to, like I said, I made my piece and I would go back and look at my highlight tape or I'll go back and I'll watch the old game and I'll be like, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Same here. Same here, man. So talk about, uh, you know, what you do now. Uh, you told me you were coaching, you uh, train players. So just give us some details on, um, you know, what you're doing now. Yeah, so right now, I mean, I work for um, EGTN. So it's Eric Gordon's uh, program here in Indianapolis. Okay. So I work alongside his dad with E3 Academy. Uh, okay. And players. Uh, I coach some of the top high school kids in the state right now, too. So, oh, nice. Uh, it's been nice, man. It's been a blessing. Yeah. And you. Um, so when, you, when you're doing that, do you feel like you're kind of like paying it forward, paying it forward, giving, essentially giving out free games, some of the things that, you experience or whatever mistakes or uh, mishaps that you went through, you kind of telling them, hey, don't do this, do that. Don't take this route, take this route. Absolutely, because me, for me, I think the biggest thing is, man, kids get so caught up on the name and the big high major colleges. And then what I try to explain to them is like, man, I understand you want to go there, but however, you want a career that is going to last and where you fit in and where you get to play and you can come in and you can play as a exactly. You don't got to wait till your junior senior year before you start getting quality minutes. Exactly, exactly. And that's dope that um, those kids have someone to tell them that, you know, because like you said, they get caught up in the name. And mm-hmm. one question I got for you, talk about like the differences, because you said you, you, you coaching, you know, the top, some of the top basketball players in the state of Indiana. 
Yeah. Talk, talk about the differences from how it is now from how it is when we was coming out. Because, you know, back then we didn't have social media. We didn't have all these different, like, YouTube videos. You know, they're making all these, especially for basketball players, they're making the, they making the dope highlights with the dope music. And they're making these kids look like they ballers at, like, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And we, you know, we didn't even have, you know, social media, like, when we was coming up. So talk about th- those kind of differences and what you see now. You know, it's crazy they got this platform because what it is, man, like, I remember our highlights tape was VHSs. You know man. what I mean? <laughs> you know, we VHS, it. it was no internet, it was no YouTube. Out. Yeah, it was no internet, it was no YouTube. You had to mail your, you had to mail your VHS out and hope they get it. Call them and see if they got it, like. <laughs> and even then, like, growing up in Indiana, so when I was younger, man, like, unless you was, like, a top 40 player, maybe, we didn't have that many AAU teams. So right. if you played an AAU team here, you was one of the best in the state. Right. And so now everybody got an AU team, so all these guys can play uh, uh, somewhere. You can pay to get in tournaments now, except when you get like the Adidas Skyland or EYBL Peach Jam. Okay. That's when you see the real top guys come into play. Okay. But now, man, the opportunity is crazy for kids to get seen with all these yeah, live yeah. stuff. So yeah, you feel like you feel like with the YouTube and all the social media now, um, it's easier for kids to get seen. Like they like they have a better opportunity, better chance, better platform. Absolutely. My biggest thing with these kids now, though, man, is that they don't work as hard as I think our generation did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. I, I say the same thing. It's like they don't. Um, I, I'm, I had interviewed a couple of days ago. I interviewed one of my good buddies, um, Ted Ginn Jr. He's like a 14-year NFL, NFL yep. veteran. He's been in the league 14 years. And I asked him the same question. What did he think the differences was with the social media, with this, with this generation, for football, basketball, as opposed to when we was coming out? And he said the same thing. Um, you know, the younger kids, they think it's easy and they don't have that work ethic that we did because it's kind of almost kind of watered down in a sense because you see, all these, yeah, you see all these kids on YouTube and Instagram and they got the videos and they look like they do this, they do that. But when it's time to really condition and put the work in to get better, like you say, the work ethic ain't there. Yeah, you're right. And that's the thing, man. Like I said, man, it's, I was just talking to Gordon about this the other day and he was just saying so many kids get on the team and get satisfied. They get that Nike EYB logo on that jersey, and they think they make it. And they're like, well, I'm going to be the coaches. That's just the first part of it. Right, just the first part. You'll perform. You still got to put the hours in the gym. You still got to work on your weaknesses and keep developing your strengths. Right, right, right. It's like they get too complacent, and then you get to the point to where these parents, why ain't my son playing? Why ain't he doing this? Because he don't understand the game. He's so mm-hmm. worried about dribbles mm-hmm. and all this. He don't understand right. the base. Right. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. So um, what are, like, some, some strategic uh, plans that you and your coaching staff have to obviously try to get these kids to understand that the hard work is the most important thing? And, and more importantly than the hard work, but, but being consistent, consistently working hard every day and being focused on improvement instead of being focused on how many likes or views one of your little highlight videos is going to get on YouTube or on your Instagram. And, and I know it's hard. <laughs> it's real hard, man. But for me, I think that once you get the kids in the gym, for me, once I get the kids in the gym individually to do individual workouts mm-hmm. and start working on things, that's when I really could talk to them and see where they at mentally. Yeah, yeah. And get that one-on-one camaraderie going. Because you got some kids who come in there and they just, you know what I mean, just go to walk through. But then you got some kids who come in there and they go 110%. Mm-hmm. Guys that I see who thrive because mm-hmm. – understand i gotta keep working right right right. makes sense now that's that's great and i know you're gonna keep doing your thing with that um Absolutely. so the, 
So the last question, man, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I call this show the After Effect Podcast. So um, us as athletes, we've been athletes our whole life. We go through wins and losses and injuries yep. and, and joy and courage and pain and sorrow. Just it's so many ebbs and flows with feelings being an athlete, you know. Um, so what would you say all your years of playing basketball, now coaching and paying it forward, what would you say is your after effect and what you learn through basketball that you're like now implementing in your life and your coaching? What would, what would you say some of the things you learned, you know, during your whole journey, athletic journey? Um, I say, man, discipline, mm-hmm. being structured. Mm-hmm. And then I would say that competitive nature, man, when you, when you get to that, Iowa, you know, we, we were spoiled, you know, <laughs> right, right. And they right. treat you like guys in Iowa. So like uh-huh. you, you get to that stage and, you see the way everything is when you come back to reality you take some of those things with you like that structure they gave us and mm-hmm. how you got to be how consistent you got to be you bring that discipline that competitiveness yeah and, and you just use that in everyday life now exactly exactly and it's, it's crazy that you say like those three those three components that you said as far as a discipline and structure and competitiveness is because when you get out here in the real world and you you know whether you work in corporate or you're working as a coach or you know whatever you're doing you realize that in the way in which you move, it's kind of different than just your average person that may have didn't play. Like they don't really have that competitive drive to really go over the top. And you realize yeah. that like as an athlete, we, we have some things just created and embedded in us that other people don't. You know, one of the biggest things I see now is a lot of people can't handle constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been cussed out so much now. It's like, all right, it just fires me up when I get when somebody. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to do better. Exactly, because all our, our whole life, we, we've been able to be coachable. So we, we understand exactly. what, what, what uh, constructive criticism is and don't take it personal, understand what it truly is. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, bro, well, that's all I had, man. I appreciate you carving out some time to uh, hop on a pod with me, bro. Uh, I know you're a busy man. No, I mean, I appreciate you, man. I see you doing your thing, so keep it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, man. Trying to, trying to give us a voice, trying to – Cause um you know I feel like it was kind of it's kind of a hole in the podcast community because I look at you know your player tribunes and your Bleacher Report and just all these networks uninterrupted and I've noticed that a lot most of the time the guys hosting or that have the shows are the guys that made it you know they actually they made it and whether they had a five six year career they retired now I feel like most of the viewers or consumers are people like us people that. Made it big, made it big to college, but maybe didn't get a pro opportunity or played in high school, maybe didn't get a college opportunity. So my thing was, when do we get to tell our stories? You know what I mean? Uh, so right. that, that was my point of starting it. And yeah, man, it's been going real good so far. Just wanting to keep learning and growing and things like that. So I appreciate the support. Absolutely, man. Like they say, man, people need to see the good and bad of college sports. And exactly, exactly. And it's not glory for everybody. Exactly. It's not, it's not glory for everybody. And when you, I feel like, stories like ours will be able to uh, create some perspective, you know, perspective for for the whole world and for the the athletes coming up. So they know that, hey, it's not going to always be, you know, peaches and and good times. You're going to have to go through some turbulence and some roadblocks and some losses. You're going to have to go through that too. For real. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, man. So I appreciate you coming on, bro. Stay safe. I know it's been a weird 2020. (laughs) We we never went through this. Man, it's been wild. It's been wild. Yeah. (laughs) Stay safe, man. Uh, I, I hope, I wish you and your family the best of luck. Stay healthy. And yeah, man, we'll, we'll talk down the road. All right, man. I appreciate you. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. Take it easy. Talk soon.